But if you're a software business, um, people still need to learn about all the things that you do. And search is, is always gonna be a part of that, right? Like not, you're not gonna be able to just rely on ads. We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com awt and sign up for free. And now, back to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO Show. I'm your host, George Kalsiotis, and today I'm very happy and excited to be joined by someone I've been following for quite some time now, uh, Gaetano Dinardi. I'm sure you, you know him. Most likely you've seen interacted with his LinkedIn posts. Gaetano is a growth advisor to software companies like Docebo, Gong, Alice, Cognizm, Work, Vivo, Aura, and Nextiva. Eight plus years of demand gen leadership in SaaS with expertise in optimizing websites and scaling organic growth machines. Published writer on uh, HBR, Fast Company, NASDAQ, and HubSpot. Outside of marketing, Gaetano is a music producer and songwriter and loves making music to stay super charged. Gaetano, welcome. Thank you. That was a very, um, very nice intro. Thank you for that. Can you please share a few things besides, you know, the, the things I said in the intro? I know that you started, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I know you started your journey um, at least, you know, regarding SEO at Sales Hiker. Is that is that right? What what did you do before that? <laughs> yeah, uh, it was even before Sales Hacker. I was doing SEO. Um, <clears throat> Pipedrive was really like my first, I would say, professional level in-house software assignment. Uh, before that, I was doing SEO for an agency in New York. And I would say, you know, every marketer at some point should join an agency because that's where you learn a lot, honestly. Um, and I thought about my path and I realized that if I were to start at a big company, I would not be doing what I'm doing today. Um, starting at a agency or being a part of an agency early in your life as a marketer is a tremendous benefit. And so anyway, long story short is that I was in the music business even before that, blogging. This was like 2011. And uh, I got introduced to SEO from blogging about the music business. And people were finding my content. 
and I wasn't promoting it. So I was wondering, how are people finding this? How do I have random comments from people? And I'm not even really like promoting it that much. I'm just writing. And it was because uh, SEO, Google, you know, people were searching for the things I was writing about and they were finding my stuff. And I loved not having to promote and people just finding my content. And so from that moment on, I was like, all right, this is it. I want to do this. I, I love this idea that I can create something great and people will find it. And so I went to work at an SEO company, then Pipedrive, uh, sales, CRM software. Um, fun fact, I, I went to Estonia like 25, 30 times. And that was that was cool. And um, then Sales Hacker, that was an amazing experience. We took that program uh, to a very high level. The company was acquired by Outreach. And then from there, you know, I've been at software businesses ever since doing growth marketing, demand gen, really all things digital. Um, I would consider my specialty to be capturing demand. So SEO, paid search, affiliate marketing, content, website optimization is really where I'm strong. And, uh, you know, I made a good, good run at these places and here we are today. I'm uh, just consulting and advising and it's a lot of fun. So thanks again for having me. I was, uh, thanks, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, I was in Estonia a couple of months ago and I saw Pipe Drive's, um, I don't know how to call it, like, let's say building, right? Uh, it's HQ. Yeah, yeah, they, they're pretty big there. And also interestingly enough, um, one of their, one, one of the co-founders started a, um, like a co-working space there, Lift 99. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And, yeah. And we had an event there. And I mean, it was very impressive to see the community that, you know, they built there. Right. And such a small country, because mm -hmm. it was like um, Estonia and like Tallinn, uh, where I spent one month, is, is a very small country. Right. Like they have so many unicorns and so many like um, SaaS companies that kick ass. And it's, it's, it's really impressive. And it says something about, I think, their, their culture. Uh, and how how they embrace uh, you know technology? Um, how would you summarize what you learned from driving organic growth for all these great companies this these last eight years? Man, you know I learned so much. It's uh, it's hard to put into words actually the the knowledge and the experience. But you know a lot of things come to mind. It's you know um, the things that you need to do to become great. I figured what that is about, which is really comes down to hard work, but also it comes down to quality of execution. So it's, you know, a lot of people are so caught up on strategy and they take so much time to figure out strategy, but the reality is it comes down to content and links for the most part. And if you, um, if you are not moving at a pace that's needed to publish and refresh content. So the way I think about it is you have input metrics, the activities, without that, you're not going to get anything, as I'm sure you know. Then leading indicators, you know, you need rankings, you need to be found, you need impressions, you need clicks, you need engagement, you need traffic. From there, it's what is the lagging outcome? Which is, you know, not everybody is going to read a content page and convert, but what might they do? Well, they might sign up for a newsletter or something like that. 
Um, they may download something. They may uh, convert, but that's unusual um, unless it's like a really bottom of funnel intent topic, which we'll talk about. But the most likely thing that will happen is they'll just read it. They'll get value out of it. And what happens after that? We don't know. You have to retarget. You have to hope they see more content on another channel somewhere. If they're an in-market solution seeker, then they'll probably come back um, if, you know, that counts. But, you know, in terms of, you know, what what have I learned? It's at the end of the day, um, if you don't do the work, you're not going to get any outcomes. That's just the bottom line. You need to publish at a certain velocity and quality, uh, new content, refresh content, and then links, they still matter a lot. So content and links, you know, I know it's a very common song and dance, but it still holds true today. So that's how I would summarize it. This is where, you know, for the most part, the, like this is where everything boils down to. But do you think that there is also a, like a brand element into all all this? And I think of, you know, Nextiva's case, for example, and you're competing against like some very big companies like Ring Central and so on. I mean, if someone sees one of the two results on the SERPs, do you think that the brand play will have an impact over who is going to get the click and, and so on and so forth? Oh, absolutely. There's no question about it. You know, um, it, it, it's it's the law of repetition, actually. Um, I don't know if you heard that saying, but it's like what gets repeated gets remembered. What gets remembered gets done. So if you apply that to search, you know, it's powerful when somebody is searching for something that they need or they're interested in and they see paid ad, they see organic listing, they see affiliate listing, they see you on review page, they see you on aggregator roundup. Uh, even that new module that you see uh, from Google that says uh, around the web or sources say, um, that is aggregated by the number of mentions and the quality of mentions that you have online. And so um, there's definitely, definitely, definitely no question about it. Whoever is seen more or most often in those results tends to get picked more. That's just the way it is. And so one listing isn't good enough in, 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 in a hyper-competitive uh, environment like voice over IP, uh, business communication software. You need to be all over that result. And there's many of them. You know, what I, back to what I've learned, you know, it's like, you you actually can find examples where even today Google still kind of rewards exact match. So virtual phone system, uh, business phone service, you know, it, it, kind of the same thing, but you need an exact match differentiator to capture those those lanes of traffic. Uh, cloud phone system versus you know this, right? Again. It's not necessarily um, the case anymore where one page can get traffic for it all. You have to kind of evaluate this on a case-by-case -case basis. And this is what makes SEO so challenging is that there's all these nuances. And so, um, I don't know, man. I think I'll just leave it at that. That's that's what I'll say. It's also, I, I mean, I, I'm thinking very often that uh, SaaS SEO is kind of sort of commoditized 
and it, and it seems very obvious from like the outside, right? You have different sets of keywords, and these are for the most part the pages you need to create. You need to create good content. You need to get some links. You need to get mentions in like the G2s of the world. But isn't that the exact reason why it's so difficult? Exactly because it's so obvious, people will, for the most part, you know, check the the boxes uh, in terms of best practices. And so the kind of the bar is is raised, especially today, as I see it. Yeah, it's an interesting point. You know, um, wh- what I've observed is, you know, really where SEO is going. It's becoming more of a the rich get richer, the poor get poorer scenario, unfortunately. And if you're one of these companies that has created this, you know, indestructible moat, you know, this impenetrable wall of defense with SEO, I mean, that's going to carry you for years and years and years to come. You you know, a challenger is almost never going to be able to displace that. It's just too difficult. You know, if you have a page that's been ranking and getting traffic for a commercial term for like six, seven, eight plus years, and it's got hundreds or maybe thousands of referring domains, they're constantly updating it and they're growing their their brand and they're getting reviews and, you know, everything's kind of just going up and up. I mean, you're not going to be able to break that. <laughs> you're just not. And so, um, you know, I, I have this conversation with clients all the time where they're like, yeah, we want to rank for this and we don't rank for it today and we're a challenger brand. You know, what's it going to take? And I open Ahrefs and I show them the top ranking page and I show them the timeline, the history of when did the page get published? How long did it take them from the first moment that page went live to where it is now? And I show them the correlation between the number of referring domains with that traffic growth and where it's at and how long it took. And when they see, damn, Ring Central published their first cloud phone software page in 2013. And they've been building links to that thing for 10 years. You, you know, but that's that's the reality. That's the reality of how competitive it is. These, these companies have had a, a very, the, the big dogs have had a head start. That's and fine. so uh, that that's that's what makes it so tough. I, I agree with you. And I think, you know, like most companies are excited until they see what, you know, actually takes, right? And it's not just a matter of budget, even though, of course, you can do many things if like uh, money is not an issue, but it's not just a matter of budget because as you mentioned, like if someone is doing this for, I don't know, um, like 10 years or something, of course that gives them a head start, right? Which is very difficult to to beat. Now, you've been, you've been doing this for almost a decade now. Um, and of course it is a time of change and new things um, coming up uh, in search. Have you seen anything like the changes we we are experiencing right now? I'm referring to to generative AI and uh, Google's SG. Man, um, I I have not seen anything this crazy in my time doing this. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, we have to evolve. 
um, as marketers and this is going to keep us on our toes. I'm actually happy this is happening um, because, you know, you, you can, it can't just be the same forever, right? Eventually change has to occur. When I think about the biggest change that I've seen before this, I think it was probably the rollout of the um, the BERT model, which is basically a model that helps Google understand searches better than ever before from a meaning standpoint. Like before it was just like, yeah, these are the matching um, you know, results to keywords. Then it's now matching results to intent and meaning. And so that was a pretty significant update. Um, there's been various spam updates, which I think have been meaningful as well. But, uh, you know, the, today, um, wow, I don't think I've, this is, I think this is going to be a potential. The, I think there's two ways it could really unfold. Scenario A is atomic bomb. Traffic gets eroded. Um, it, you know, it's this is something that's going to stick and be here forever. They're going to roll out the generative AI experience and, you know, this is the way it's going to be. Scenario B is, well, it doesn't really land as well as people thought. Maybe this GPT, because when GPT came out is what really triggered this. Um, it was Google's way of saying, we got to adapt to the times and fight back and roll out an experience that is consistent with this GPT style. This may not land as well as people think. We don't know yet. Right, the app like we're in the world of tech, so like yeah, for us it's like cool. But what about the average person? Are they gonna like this? I don't know. So I think they are going to very, very, very carefully consider the pros and cons of do people like this? Um, the ad advertising model, they're not gonna sacrifice ad ad revenue for for short term uh, bursts of engagement with this new system. I mean maybe. But for the long term, they're not going to they're not going to sacrifice uh, ad revenue because the number one thing that matters to Google is, is shareholder um, profits and 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 stake in the company, right? So, um, yeah. To summarize, this is a wild development. It's going to be fascinating to see how it all unfolds. A lot of speculation right now. I don't. I, I'm not a huge fan of speculation, but you know, generally speaking, I think. Um, this could really go maybe one of two ways and and maybe where it all ends up is that for certain kinds of queries, um, it stays and for others, it doesn't. And so that, that may be where it all goes. And also I think your point regarding, uh, us, like let's say broadly defined as, uh, like tech people using it. Yeah. It may be fun and maybe we are okay using it. Uh, and maybe we feel comfortable using it because we are more, uh, let's say, savvy. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, and also that makes me think uh, regarding the feedback they, they receive in this beta version from people who are, for the most part, you know, people who are interested in search, right? And so maybe the, the feedback they get is also a bit, uh, a bit biased. Anyway, this is all pure, you know, speculation that, as you mentioned, and, and I think that we should stick to what we know. Um, a few weeks ago, you mentioned on Twitter that brand SEO uh, just became more important in the context of all these uh, changes. Uh, can can you please share what what you meant by that? Yeah. So, like, you know, SEO actually has gotten a lot of um, hate in the B two B software world. I think you probably saw some of those pages that said, um, you know, SEO. 
um, is forcing people who want real information to go to Reddit. So you you add you know whatever thing you want to search for plus Reddit because you want to get the real information and you don't want to read articles and content that's been so-called gamed by people like us. Um, right. So, so that's, that's one side of it. And, um, there's been this kind of, uh, drawing a line in the sand in the world of B2B SaaS regarding, am I capturing demand that's out there or am I so-called creating demand or am I, you know, um, Am I a category creator? Am I marketing in a manner that is education focused to the point that when the problem arises in that buyer's world, they won't even go through SEO um, buying process. They will just come straight to me. And in a world of you know Google's generative experience where traffic erosion is very likely, um, well, maybe there's some, maybe there's some validity to that, right? Maybe as SEO, we, we realize and acknowledge and, you know, accept that there's just going to be less traffic up for grabs. So we have to actually figure out a way to distribute content in an outbound manner and, um, not rely so much on inbound SEO as, as the way that we're going to get traffic and, you know, leads and conversions for our businesses. So it's possible that um, if you're the kind of company that has no brand and all, you know, SEO, which there are some examples of companies out there that do that, um, maybe not in software, but in commodity products, then you may be in trouble. But I think probably to summarize all of this, where I was going with it is maybe companies need to figure out some of that balance between capturing demand and creating demand. So Nextiva kind of does come to mind actually. Like we were 100% focused on demand capturing. And so it was one of those businesses that like you'd only hear about if you Googled for the thing that you needed. Like, you know, brand became a thing because of, you know, we had a good advertising program and a lot of events and a lot of channel repartners, uh, resellers and channel partners and stuff like that. Um, but ultimately like the number one way people would digitally convert is through non-branded SEO. Right. And so I think that the kind of the point behind that mentioned on Twitter was, yeah, maybe companies need to think about a broader approach. Um, and if you're stuck in the, you know, SEO hamster wheel and you're about to lose a lot of traffic, you know, you may want to consider some new approaches. The interesting thing about Nextiva is that, uh, of of course, I, I learned it from you. I, I wasn't aware of the company um, back then. And when, I don't know if it was you or who was it, I, I saw some data like the fact that back then it was at around 200 million in ARR. And I was like, what? I mean, what is this company that's doing 200 million in ARR? And I have never heard of it before, right? And it's a, it's a like big, big company. It's, it, it, it's very impressive what they have achieved, right? Um, and regarding traffic, a point that I think not many people discuss, of course, once again, pure speculation, but if the SERPs, search, search engine results pages for some queries end up being so cluttered and so you know full of distraction, let's say, and after all this distraction, someone ends up to your website after all, then maybe there is a chance that this person has a stronger intent 
So you could expect less traffic, but maybe people with higher, like stronger intent, right? Which is a great thing. Uh, so we may have to kind of um, like adapt to this new reality, whatever it, it, it may be. Um, given all these changes, let's say, you know, a director of SEO um, at like a SaaS company you work with uh, comes to you and they are like, Bertano, I'm stressed out, man. I don't know what to do. Like this SG and AI content and all these changes, they're stressing me out. Would you advise like keep pushing and like investing in, in SEO or would you say that, you know what, maybe it's time to kind of consider um, other channels as well? I would advise that person to consider the following. Fear is based on something that has not yet happened. So if it has not yet happened, it's good to be aware, but you shouldn't have too much anxiety over something that has not happened yet. So I would just kind of start by saying, look, no need to push the panic button. You know, um, if you're a SaaS business, um, you know, you're not a recipe site where you can easily be replaced by Google. Or, you know, I think I think companies like probably like ticket sales, like we've already seen that with like Expedia's of the world and Seat Geeks and StubHub's like that, all that stuff took a huge hit because Google just putting their own experiences in there. But if you're a software business, um, people still need to learn about all the things that you do. And search is, is always gonna be a part of that, right? Like not, you're not gonna be able to just rely on ads um, and, you know, obviously like there's, there's offline and online components, like events are the silent factor of software businesses that never really show up on the scoreboard, but matter a lot. Like I'm working with a company now that does a hundred events a year on, uh, online, uh, online and offline events a year over 250, meaning webinars, digital hangouts, plus local meetups, large scale conferences, um, all that kind of stuff. So when you factor in, damn, 250 online and offline events a year, that's a lot of commotion. You know what I mean? That's just like a lot of shit that's happening. So that's a silent, that's a silent scoreboard thing that you have to factor into. In terms of the SEO, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily panic about it. If things are going well and you have a good program, I mean, I would be aware of the changes that are happening and and you know, I think it's too early still to be speculative about what's going to happen. And there's no, there's not one SEO expert or influencer out there that can really say, here's the definitive strategy for what you should do once the, you know, generative AI experience rolls out. No one knows. I mean, you can play around in the sandbox and make your own kind of judgments, but um, I would say for now, just like stick to it. At the end of the day, it's about finding pain point topics and writing great content about it. Think about video. Video is the one thing where I think you could uh, potentially, um, you know, avoid some of these problems. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, video takes a while to spin up. You're not just going to be able to launch YouTube tomorrow and start growing a huge channel. But that's a long-term play. You know, look at Ahrefs and those guys who, who have, you know, look at uh, what's that guy 
Noah Kagan, he has a really good channel. Those kinds of, you know, programs, right, right, where you stick to creating video content for a long time, that can pay off. So, um, I don't know. There's a lot that goes into that question, but that's my my rough take on it. Interestingly enough, yesterday I had a chat with Samuel from uh, AHS uh, for the podcast, and uh, yeah, like they they achieved some pretty like interesting stuff um, from this YouTube channel, right? And there are some very good examples nowadays. I mean, I like Slidebin's approach to 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 video. Uh, it's it's pretty interesting. Also, I think Paddle Paddle Studios with the acquisition of Profitwell, um, they they have started already doing some interesting stuff uh, on like their YouTube channel. So I I agree, video can be a vehicle for for growth and also doing something different in B2B SaaS, uh, right? Um, back to SEO. In an interview you gave a few years ago for the experts on the Wire podcast uh, with Dan Schur, uh, you described that. One of the first things you did um, uh, when start uh, when you started working with uh, uh, Sales Hacker was a massive cleanup. Um, essentially, as per my understanding, a content audit. Is that what you always do as a starting point for uh, established web- websites? And if if so, what you know the process generally uh, looks like? Man, that's a good one. So you know, with that particular site. There was a lot to play with already. There was a lot to play with already. So um, it made sense actually to to start with that just because it's a content site, you know? So they had uh, hundreds and hundreds of pages already published and getting traffic. So I'm like, all right, there's a lot to play with here. So let me just start there because it just has a lot of a lot of room to just see what's going on. And there's a lot of things that have already been done. Um, in other cases, I actually may not start with something like that. There is something that I use to help me figure this out. Um, I, I use, um, I have created my own problem identification chart for SEO. And what it has is imagine, um, a couple of columns. The first column says problem and really all SEO problems can be, they're pretty much always the same for B2B SaaS especially. And so that problem list has the following things on it. Organic traffic is primarily brand. Organic traffic is flat or not growing. Organic traffic is declining. Organic traffic is not producing revenue. Organic traffic is attracting the wrong kinds of people, right? It has that. Then what is the impact of the specific problem? Well, if your organic traffic is primarily branded search, that means you are not being found for non-brand commercial intent searches, right? Um, And then I have the root causes. I've mapped out the root causes behind all of these problems. So I know exactly why they are happening. Um, So if your organic traffic is primarily branded search, why is that? Well, um, you probably have a lack of uh, a keyword strategy. Um, Traffic generation has primarily come from other channels like events, social, email, and paid ads. Um, You're not publishing enough or not fast enough or the content quality is not good enough to compete, right? Um, that That is the basic 
premise of it. So because I have this, this starting point that lets me see what are all the problems, it's always about starting with the problem. That's actually what I want to get to. It's just start with the problems and then work your way backwards to try and figure out how to how to figure out, you know, reverse engineering the problem that tells you where to start. Um, and that that's it. Yeah, that's how I would approach it. Yeah. One of the problems I see when it comes to uh, B2B SaaS companies is that, you know, we create, you mentioned, for example, keywords with commercial search intent, let's say alternative pages, uh, list posts, right? We create these pages and I think that we don't pay as much attention to like conversion optimization. So we will like list the tools and we will do a great job regarding that. But very often companies do not like care as much about, okay, what can we do to like actually capture some of like the uh, visits, the visitors on, on that page so we can turn them into, I don't know, trials, uh, demo requests and so on and so forth. We have a client who is doing some pretty interesting experiments and things uh, regarding that and we, we really learn from them and they learn from us uh, during that process. Um, but I would like to hear your thoughts on that and uh, whether you, you know, there is anything that you can say you, you've seen work when it comes to, okay, not just getting traffic, but like, you know, getting leads and demo requests and whatever the offering may be. Yeah. Well, um, if you zoom out and, and just become realistic for a moment, the re uh, the reality is um most software companies will for that are doing seo programs will create how many pages do you think that are part of the seo program maybe 100 200 maybe 200 pages maybe 300 maybe maximum 500 pages even if it's 500 pages how many of those pages do you think represent the very, very high buying intent and very small amount. Very small, yeah, just a fraction. Just a fraction. We can say probably 10% at best. I think that's a very good case scenario. Um, when you consider that 90% of the SEO program is full funnel and not really focused on bottom of funnel, well, you can't expect to get a lot of conversions because that's not what happens. It's, that's just it, right? So that's part of it. So anyway, you, when you just acknowledge that maybe only 10% of your SEO program is going to signups or, or you know, commercial intent stuff, then what you can do is just isolate to the pages that are meant to get conversions or would be the most likely to get conversions. So of course, competitor pages, pricing related question pages, um, you know, very specific pain point use case pages um, and anything that contains your classic software system, platform, tool, right? any of those, which let's be real, most of those are list style pages at this point. Um, then, you, then what you have is a much easier starting point to work with because you're weeding out all the noise. One of the biggest disconnects is, hey, why aren't we getting conversions from all these other pages? Well, that's just not gonna happen. So you just focus on the pages that are likely to get conversions. From there, what you actually need to figure out is, well, um, 
what is the way that people buy software or buy this product, you know? And even then, list pages, alternatives to pages, they're still in solution narrowing mode. They haven't chosen you yet. So even though the, as high intent as that is, it's still not likely that they're going to convert on that page. They might, but what's far more likely to happen is because they're still in research mode, they're still in solution narrowing mode, they're not really ready to convert there yet. They're almost ready. So what they're going to do is most likely bounce from that page or click through to other pages, come back. They, they've probably got a lot of different browser tabs open. They're looking at a lot of different things. They're searching several times in many different ways, looking for all the kinds of information they want. They're looking at review sites and aggregator sites and affiliate sites and you know whatever, right? Um, after all that's done, the most likely places they are to convert are homepage, what a surprise, and pricing page, what a surprise, and maybe some product page on the site which represents the main thing that they want. What a surprise. <laughs> and so companies are effectively spinning their wheels trying to get these SEO pages to convert. Meanwhile, that's just not the place where conversions happen. Sure, there's things you can do, and I'm not saying you should give up on that, but you're much better off just kind of realizing that, look, the way that people buy, and you should look at the pathing, navigation pathing on your site to figure this out, but it's just not realistic to say that, um, hey, you know, our SEO program is converting really low. It's just not the way it happens. You know, it's not like you're selling toothpaste, uh, toothbrushes and uh, toothpaste, you know, best toothpaste for sensitive teeth convert right there. It's just not the way it works. Um, and so um, that is probably what I would, what I would say. Before you start spinning your wheels trying to do all these wacky tricks, um, just accept that the way people buy this stuff is not not how it's been um, explained according to conventional wisdom. Second to last question I have for you. Uh, SEO aside, what can SaaS companies do nowadays to stand out? Especially, you know, like most SaaS categories are highly commoditized, you know. Um, so, but we have some outliers, right? We have some companies that we we use as examples, let's say, uh, in podcasts, in webinars, or, you know, in conversations we have with, with, with friends and partners. But these are just, you know, some very few examples like Gong and, and Drift and so on and so, and so forth. On a very practical level, what can companies do nowadays to, to stand out? In terms of standing out, um, I think there are few things that can be done kind of immediately. Um, one of them is video. If you think about all the things that are easy to scale, all the things that are easy to copy, all the things that are easy to automate, the thing that immediately kind of just like falls outside of that scope is video. It's like harder. It's hard to do. And this is why not a lot of companies want to do it because it's hard. It requires you to really understand content audiences. 
it's it's actually the most intimate form of marketing if you think about it. It's like somebody on a camera talking about the things and problems and pain points and blah blah. Um, so starting with video may be the best way actually to stand out from a digital perspective. Like one thing that came up on a client call today was um, I brought up the example of Wix. Wix, for the longest time, has had what problem? The negative perception that they're a, a sucky platform for SEO. This has been the long withheld belief, whether it's true or not, because experts in the field said it and because chatter about it online has spread in the minds of SEOs, I'm never going to use Wix. I'm going to go used to the tried and true methods and platforms. So what has Wix been doing such a good job of lately? Using video to fight back against that narrative. I can't open up YouTube right now without getting hit with a Wix pre-roll ad that says we're the best platform for super fast SEO. Update your title tags like this and, you know, change page templates in the blink of an eye and blah, blah. Um, even they're working with influencers to spread positive messages about them, right? And so um, that is kind of how you 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 do it, right? Like that video content was really eye-opening, actually. And because they're flooding the internet with that with that video content that fights back against that long withheld negative belief, um, I think they're definitely gaining ground. I think they're definitely gaining ground. So. You know, I think the question is like beyond just how do we differentiate or how do we how do we differ how do we become different in our marketing? But it's, you know, digging into the the those kinds of issues. You know, finding out like, all right, well, what is the number one problem our buyers have? What's the number one objection? Well, we suck at SEL. This is a, this is hurting our business. We need to go fix that. Starting with the problem again, I think is key. And so that's how I would think about it. Not saying Great way to, uh, you know, close this episode. Uh, last question I have for you, where can people find out more and, you know, get in touch, say hi? Yeah. Um, yeah. Twitter's pretty good. I, I respond fast there. So, uh, Gatano NYC. I don't live in New York City anymore, but that's just been attached to my profile for so long that I don't feel like changing it. And, uh, yeah, Twitter, you can hit me up there and I'll respond pretty fast. That's great. We will drop it in the show notes. Uh, Gaetano, thank you very much uh, for, for doing this. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you for staying with us until the end. Before you go, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part. You can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com awt and sign up for free. Another episode of the SaaS SEO Show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast 
and over at our YouTube channel, where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time!